All right, everybody. Well, we are back. And you're probably wondering, who is this guy? <laughs> so this is Jonathan. And Jonathan is going to be our guest teacher today. Jonathan has been a pastor at a couple different churches. As your dad is a pastor. Yep. And so you work for him and you be, you're a pastor there at the Christian Life Center, right? Mm-hmm. And then yep. at uh, Trinity down there in North Miami. And now you're in ministry with First Priority, which has mm-hmm. got our heart. We love youth ministry. We love seeing the youth being reached. And uh, uh, Jonathan's an amazing young man. And uh, we're just looking forward to having him teach today. And I know he's got a good word for all you guys. And uh, so uh, we're looking forward to just celebrating Thanksgiving, right? That's yeah. what we're kind of talking about today? Yeah. 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 So uh, what's your title? Do you have a title today? Yeah. Today we're talking about being thankful when it's hard. Thankful when it's hard. Ooh. Thankful when it's hard. Yeah. yeah this and is I think, a good season. <laughs> it's that. a good season. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think Pastor Greg, the biggest uh, situations, especially everything that's happened this year. Yeah. Uh, so many of us have been literally going into seasons that we've just been weary. Yeah. And so many have had financial crisis. They've had a health crisis, someone yeah. that they might know in their family. And uh, we're entering into a season of being thankful. But how do you be thankful and be grateful when it's hard? So that's so a little true. bit of why we're what we're diving awesome. into and discussing I'm today. I'm stoked. I'm getting out so. of the way. <laughs> Thanks, John, for being I love here. you. Love you, buddy. Love you. All right, enjoy. <laughs> well, I would first off want to uh, start off to say, um, Pastor Greg has been a uh, mentor of mine for uh, several years now. Several years as um, I, I met him a couple years back, being connected with First Priority, and uh, he's just poured into my life and been such a blessing. And I just want to honor the pastors, honor the leadership of this church as we start off. And um, I think it's uh, so rare to um, to find just leaders that are just so pure hearted and truly care for their congregation. And every single time that I um, get to speak and get to uh, have breakfast or lunch or have a meal, he literally just pours out his heart of the church and pours out his heart of ministry. And, um, and his heart is for um, his heart is for this, uh, for South Florida and for what is happening. And, um, so it's just such a, been such an honor to, uh, get to learn, get to lead in and, um, and be under, uh, Pastor Greg for these past couple of years. But, um, as we kind of go in, um, and we dive in today. We're going to be reading from Luke seventeen eleven. I know I want to say thank you for all those who are tuning in online and coming through. Um, you know, as we're coming through, you'll be able to kind of type your things in the chat and all the you know put your questions. I know under later on there'll be an email if you're brand new that you can uh, email the church directly and um, you know get connected. I think in this season of COVID, in this season where um, where you know we we have so many things going on with the election and everything, it's very easy to get complacent. It's very easy to uh, to be okay with just staying at home. And even though we're staying safe uh, and we're staying you know socially distanced in a season, you know we cannot forget not to be unified. And uh, I, I just think this is a big battle that's happening in the church right now. Is where uh, you know. The devil wants to get you alone. 
He doesn't want you to be connected. It's, you know, in scripture, he's referred to like like a roaring lion that's prowling, waiting for his prey. And I don't know if you ever watched National Geographic, but, you know, literally a lot of times it gets a little late and I'll turn on National Geographic. And I love when... um, you know, when it's talking about the lions and it's talking about all, you know, how they attack. And it's interesting how they separate their prey. And what they do is they attack the weak ones, the weary ones, the tired ones, and then it gets it separated from the pack. And I just think sometimes we just got to be vigilant in this season to make sure that we're choosing to lean in a little more. We're choosing to say, hey, no, I'm going to be a person that's going to take the effort to pick up that phone call and be connected. I want to choose to be the person that's going to reach out to my, uh, to my brother, my sister, reach out to my neighbors, and choosing to be connected with the body of Christ. And uh, I just believe as we do that, man, God starts to restore. God starts to start moving in our hearts, and he starts to put a new fire, a new dream, a new, uh, as, as Paul said, a fire burning in my bones for this next season is to come because no matter what is happening, no matter what's going on, we can rely on Christ and rely on Jesus that he has everything under control. And when we put our trust and our faith in him, we don't have to be worried because we have the peace of God over our life. We have the blessing of Christ over our life where we're able to walk out in victory because if God is for you, then who can stand against you? Uh, but I want to pray as we kind of dive in today. And um, I, I'm just so grateful to be here. And uh, Lord, we uh, just come to you. Lord, we lift you up during this season. Lord, we, we say thank you for, Lord, everything you've provided Thank you for your provision over each and every one of our lives. Thank you for your grace, your grace that has literally saved each and every one of us, that we're able to walk and we're able to walk in freedom and talk in freedom when so many are being persecuted for this faith. So many are having to hide and not being able to talk. We're able to stand here and be able to discuss what is actively happening. Lord, we just come into this season of thanksgiving, being grateful for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, um, today, um, you know, I kind of want to discuss a little bit about my life and, uh, and this kind of tell you a little bit about me. I uh, grew up and I uh, actually grew up as a missionary kid over in Europe. And uh, at a young age, I majority of my life, I was over... Uh, traveled around. I was in Hungary for three years. I was in for about 15 years. I was over in uh, Vienna, Austria. And throughout that whole time, um, I got the opportunity to just travel all across um, Europe. And it was interesting how when the transition, when I came back, because really my whole life had been outside of the United States. And I think what's, what's, what's so funny is 
man, I, I look at this and this is the, uh, the living word of God. This is his, the breath of God. And, and, and it's amazing how you know, we, we come here and, and, and I was just shocked when I came to the U.S. that there were so many churches everywhere. Yet when, when we walked into Europe, I mean, it was, um, it was like, man, you had a lot of Catholic churches. You had a lot of different things, but, you ha- but really the churches, a lot of them had turned into museums. And man, the body of Christ was honestly, it, there was no talk of Jesus. There, was, there, there is no talk of, of what is actually happening. And, um, and so I got to see that, that you didn't have many churches on every single corner. And I got to see uh, so many different people from so many different nations um, start to explore Christ and start to come to know Jesus for the first time. And um, we, we, when we went over there, I remember my, uh, we started off in Hungary and, and it was a very confusing time because you know, our family felt that we were called to Hungary. We went over there and uh, uh, the first year, you know, you, you go through this whole thing of raising funds and getting people, you're excited and you're saying, we're, you're saying, we're gonna go make the biggest impact in this nation for Jesus. And I don't know about you, 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 you ever been to a new job or you ever going into a new school, or you're going into a new venture and you're all excited and you get there and then all of a sudden you feel, you thought you were gonna do something and then it's like, it wasn't what you kind of expected, but you keep going through. And so we got into Hungary and the first year was hard. We were like, it's one we come to find out and you know, Hungarian is literally one of the toughest languages to learn. So we're trying to learn the language, trying to connect with the people and everyone in Europe, they have this saying is, man, it's hard to get in, but when you're in, you're friends for life. But when you first get there, it's hard to get in. So you have no friends. You're, you're sitting there trying to reach a community that doesn't want to be reached. They don't care. You know, and we kept going through and, you know, year two, we were expecting and thinking that, you know, all right, God's called our family to lead a church and no churches were, nothing was really getting momentum and, and, uh, and it, and it starts to be one of those seasons where you start to, you're isolated, you're by yourself and you start to question God's calling on your life. You start asking, all right, Lord, um, God, am I supposed to be here? (laughs) Am I supposed to be doing this? And, but at the same time, we knew God had called us to that season. And we, we, we prayed as a family. And I remember as we all uh, sat down every single night, we just kept believing in faith and knowing that the Lord had sent us to Europe for a reason, for a purpose. And we just kept grounding ourselves in his word and knowing that, man, no, he, if he is with us, who can stand against us? And when I get, when we got there, we, finally get into year three and things start getting trash and we get a Bible school up and going where all of a sudden students that were being saved and we were doing a lot of street evangelism and all this stuff, students that were being saved were now actually entering into this Bible school and actually starting to be trained in, uh, in the word of God. But yet it was still, it was still a struggling season. And now throughout the three years, um, we were every single day going to, um, going to this, uh, language teacher and she wasn't a Christian. She was far from it, completely atheist, but, um, we were every single day we'd show up 
and we'd be consistent. And as we started to know her over the course of three years, you know, we would share the gospel different times that she would not be uninterested. But just over a relationship, we just started to build a strong, deep relationship. And um, at the end of three years, God ended up giving us a transition in a moment where he called and had an opportunity for us to go over to Vienna, Austria. The last week before we left Hungary and we, we transitioned over to Vienna, Austria, about three hours away, um, the, our Hungarian teacher, we, we had this one moment where, where we were able to share the gospel and we were finishing our last lesson and we we're saying, well, you know, we're going to be leaving. And, um, and we just took that moment to say, but before we leave, before we're gone and our whole family's uh, uprooted and we're going to be visiting you, you know, we just want to take this moment. And um, that day she gave her life to Christ. And she knew of our struggles in Hungary. And, and while we we're in those um sessions she she would make jokes and you know talk about the hungarian culture and how it is and um and she said it might have been a tough season while you're here but i believe that god sent you here for me and as we lead, uh, we left i remember my mother uh, saying you know what never forget the one Never forget the one. God is always, always leaving, leaving the 99 for the one. And uh, we ended up going over to Vienna and uh, God started to literally explode the work and the ministry over there. There was a church that we, a small church that we ended up coming and um, my parents started to pastor and we just started to see the work of God just explode and explode. Um, and I want to talk a little bit more about what happened in Vienna. And, uh, but I just believe as we go into this season of Thanksgiving, as we go in that, um, man, God is speaking to each and every one of us. And I think in this season, with everything that's going around in culture, everything that's happening, that we have to be rooted in his word that, we, that we're not just being distracted by what culture is saying, by what the world is saying, by what itches our ear, what sounds good. But actually, when I read this, I actually know and take it in for myself and saying, man, I can't hide anything from God when I read this and spend alone time with God and saying, there's nothing that can strip away. I can't, my thoughts, everything that I'm trying to hide from the world. And we're very good at putting stuff on Instagram, Facebook, and tell, saying everyone, we're doing good good. We're happy. We're fine. But when you get alone with God and you start to have this moment with Christ, you start to have, you start to have this true relationship, this true relationship that I believe is, um, is one of the things that we just have to be rooted in. Luke 17, 11 says, is the story of the 10, 10 men with leprosy. Uh, verse 11, it says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And um, it's interesting because in this scripture, 
Samaria is, you know, he's going from between Samaria and Galilee. And he, while he's on his way, he stops by verse 12. It says, as he was going into the village, 10 men who had leprosy met, met him. They stood at a distance and called in a loud voice, Jesus master have pity on us. So real quick, I want to stop on, you know, and I want to kind of explain you know, when Jesus is traveling down and, and, and he's traveling from North Galilee, way down south is Samaria. And right in the middle is, right in the middle is Samaria. Sorry, he's traveling down south to, from Galilee and right in the middle is Samaria. And Samaria, usually when they were traveling down south, the Jews would literally go around Samaria. It's right in the middle, but the Samaritans at that time were thought as, um, they were thought to be people that had a half, half faith. They believed, they believed in the scripture, but at the same time they married, they didn't marry just Jewish women. They married, uh, they, they married other women. And so they, it, they were literally, the Samaritans were outcast. And so many times when people were traveling, the Jews were traveling down, they would avoid Samaria, which I think is an interesting piece here because Jesus literally chooses to walk right through Samaria. He goes down and uh, as he's walking down, verse 12, he says, as he was going to the village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus Master, have pity on us. Now, I don't know uh, if you've heard about leprosy. Leprosy uh, in today is a curable disease, but many times in the in the scripture, leprosy was this disease that would literally um, it was one of the excruciating disease that would rot your flesh where they literally would say have cases where your um, fingers would fall off where your limbs would fall off. So, and it was like living with this constant sore going on. And the thing, people were very scared of people with leprosy because they thought it was contagious and that they were afraid. And it's kind of interesting. They literally outcast these people with people with leprosy outside the city. And they would make sure that as they were outside the city, that they would go around and say, and when they came, came in and come to beg, they would say unclean, unclean. And they would, this is the first, literally the first form of social distancing. <laughs> they would put their mouth, their hands over their mouth and look down and say, unclean, unclean. As they're begging, as they're sitting, they're not usually begging for money because they couldn't go into the city to purchase. Many times it was just for food and they're going through. And um, so these men, these 10 men with leprosy are crying out to Jesus. They see Jesus and they called out to him, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. I want to kind of dissect this a little bit because I think it's just so interesting. When he, he, he says, when he saw them. So when Jesus saw, sees, sees them, uh, you know, the first question that kind of pops into my mind is he sees these men that are hurting. We know Jesus is the healer. We know Jesus is the one. He leaves a 99 for the one. We, we know that he's, he's deliberately 
come through Samaria and obviously for a purpose. But then he says, go show yourself to the priest. I'm kind of first, I'm, I'm questioning, I'm like, well, why didn't he just heal them right there? It was my first question. He's like, all right, he, he screams back to them and says, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. You know, three things that has happened. If someone had a disease and got well, they had to go get approved by the priest. This was law. So if someone had leprosy, they actually had to go to the city, to the priest and actually get it, go through a whole ritual, go through a whole thing, a cleansing and literally get this form from the priest, the saying that they were cleansed. So first off, you, you know, they're, they're like, okay, the, he, Jesus calls out to them and says, go show yourself to the priest. Now, the first thing is that we don't really know if the, how far the priest was, where they were at. I mean, they could be talking about the priest in Jerusalem where this would be a almost three to four day walk. It wasn't just a simple statement, go show yourself to the priest. And you say you're, you have 10 guys that are screaming out for their life saying, Lord, help us, Lord, help us. And he says, go show yourself to the priest. And I think it's interesting as they start to go through and they start to commit to the journey which starts to prove and show your faith. And I, and I, I want to I camp on that there for a minute. Sometimes we're going through a season that we're struggling. We're going through a season that, that's been financially hard, that we've been in COVID. And I know so many different people have gone through where you've been sick, you have family members that have been sick, you, have, you might be in a situation right now where you are battling and you are struggling right now. And yet, God, you feel like you're calling out to God and God's telling you, go show yourself to the priest. And yet, I want to encourage you that sometimes God has thrown us to literally show us and, and see if we have the faith to keep continuing to walk in faith, walk in journey and believing, believing in who he is and what he can do. And I, I, as, as it, the scripture keeps going, it says, he says, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, that it wasn't, that they didn't get healed right away. It was a piece of as they went, as they went step by step, as they went day by day, they were cleansed. And I just think again, in this season, as we are all walking through, we're going, we're about to hop into Thanksgiving and we're about to go into this moment and this piece, uh, this place of that we're bringing the whole family together. We're getting around. Some of us will be socially distanced this year and getting on the zooms and getting on the FaceTimes and sending each other pictures and everything that we remember that as we keep walking day by day through the struggles that we keep walking in faith, and that is every day that we're walking in faith, God is the one that is restoring. God is the one that is cleansing. God is the one that is going to renew that situation that you're going through with your family. He's the one that will bring unity. The one that the person that's going through a situation with their health, he's the one that brings healing, but it's day by day. 
day by day. I love the story of Jericho because we see this over and over and over in scripture. You know, the Israelites are come, they come to the walls of Jericho and literally they're commanded to go and walk around the wall seven times every single day for seven days. And at the end, they blow the trumpets. And we, we've heard the story that they blow the trumpets. And when they blow the trumpets, the walls come down. But again, we ask the question, if God was going to give the Israelites this land and this, and this place, why didn't he just give it to them with a, over a battle? Why couldn't they just gone and fought a battle and had victory? And I think this is a, a piece that God is just keeps dropping and nuggets. He just keeps dropping in scripture and letting us that God gets the glory that this is one of the lessons. So one of the many lessons of, of, of this piece is that he gets the glory that many times me, Jonathan, I'm able to come and I'm, I'm able to try to put on a show. And if, if I go out and I, and if he just had the lepers be healed right there, then all of a sudden they could have said, they could have said anything. They, they, if he just gave the Israelites the war, they could have been said by our own strength, we won this war, but he wanted to show on both sides that no man, no man conquered this. This was only by God. And I just think each day as we are walking through, going back, is man, remember that it's day by day. It's day by day that in the seasons where we're struggling, it's a day by day in the seasons where it's been a tough year, it's day by day where we're sitting here in COVID that we keep having faith in Christ. We don't get weary. We don't get tired that we, we say, no, 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 no. I'm going to choose to keep walking and pursuing him. And day by day, I think that's is where, is where God starts to transform us, not just outwardly, but innerly. So we keep going through and, you know, as they went to the priests, you know, I think there's three things you know, Jesus was first obeying God's word. Back in Leviticus, it discussed how the, the lepers had to go to the priest to be proven that they didn't have leprosy anymore. Number two, I, I think it shows that just this miracle that was happening with these 10 lepers wasn't just a magical trick, that they could be able to go out and proclaim what Christ Jesus had done in their life. And three, I think it, 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 again, it goes and it points back that God gets the glory. And in, in this season of gratefulness, I just love those words that as they went, they were healed. That in our lives that we have to approach each and every day as saying, no, in my life, I'm a person. And for my household, God will be center. He will be the one that receives all the glory in my house. And um, so as you know, I was thinking of going back to Vienna and as we were, when we, I was a missionary over there with my family and my, we got transferred from Hungary going over, go, going back and we went over to Vienna. And as we started to 
see this church, started to work with the church. And for 15 years, we started to see a revival start to take place. It was people from all different countries and it started with a small group of people, but we had Filipinos started to come in from the congregation. Many of them migrated for a lot of the different job opportunities. We saw Africans start showing up. We start, we start, you know, obviously we saw Germans, we saw Chinese, we got to see the French. Um, and we started to realize that we had all these different community groups starting to meet in our church. And as we just started having services and as we started pouring out, we, we started seeing that in different languages, different tongues, people started to get saved. And people here, you know, uh, I think sometimes we get into the American culture and we, we think that people, everybody knows the gospel of Jesus Christ. But when I, I started to realize in Vienna, it was almost the opposite, that very few people knew the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as you started to talk to different people, it was a brand new message. It's, it's a brand new concept. And when they think of it, they think of it as religion and they kind of correlate it with the Catholic church and they correlate it with, you know, you know, everything that's happened in the past. Then when we start to talk about the love of Jesus and, and everything that we've been engulfed in, man, you, we started to see people come to know Jesus every single day. And so we started to see this work start to grow and grow. And over the years, it went from a group of 200, 300, and ended up being from a small little church. And even during this season, when we were in Vienna, Austria, the evangelical church was still counted as a sect. So just like, just like any type of different type of religion, it wasn't counted as an actual, actual religion. And so an actual like, you know, movement that was taking place. So we started to grow and we were renting, but then all of a sudden we're starting to facilitate and get past where we could be in the, in the facilities that we were all the way to the point that we had a small space that could fit about, you know, 300 people. And we started seeing one service would come in and it would be the Filipinos. Then they, the Filipinos would leave and then we'd have the African service come in. And then after the African service come in, we'd see the French come in. And then we'd see the Chinese have their service. And then we'd see the Latinos have their service. We had to see the Germans have their service. We'd have this English service. And it got to a place where God was doing such a revival that uh, we couldn't, we literally didn't have the capacity even in our space to hold all the different people. And so we had nine different services going on in a weekend. And we're sitting here in the middle of Europe, in the middle of Central Europe, where it was just, it's just so unheard of. You start to see a work of God start to take place and move. And as, I, as I'm growing up and seeing this, um, I remember there was a, a, a day where we started to pray as a church for a building space. And space over in Europe is very expensive. And um, as we were driving by one day, we started to pray for this one, uh, one building. And God started laying it on our heart. And uh, we started talking to the owner and it was, we, he said he, he was willing to sell it to us, but um, 
we went to try to get a loan, but since we were still a sect, no bank would give us a loan. They're saying you're a small little group that's in the heart of Europe and you know, you're not even a real religion. Uh, we're not giving you a loan. And we needed, I remember we needed $2 million cash. <laughs> and I remember we, we were praying for it and um, for a month and we were, all of us were fasting and interceding and uh, because we literally had this small little space in the middle of a, in the middle of a condominium complex and we just had this small little floor and, and we got up on one Sunday and my dad went up there and out of faith, he said, I believe we have to give an answer by next week, but I believe God has ordained this building for us. And he said, you know, he, he jokes about it today as we talk about it over the campfire at Thanksgiving. But he said, he, he said, I, I wish, he said, I wish I had that much faith, but I don't know where it came from. I just said it <laughs> and it came out on stage and I was telling people and that day, you know, we had everybody that was migrants, people that were coming, literally coming with nothing for a better life in Europe. And the entire church was filled with so many people from all different countries that one day this man came through and that day when he said that, he came to him after and he said, pastor, it was the person that we knew in our congregation and we knew he, he, he wasn't rich. <laughs> we knew he didn't have money, but he, and he said, he, he, he came in and said, pastor, uh, I have the money. And you know, my dad looked at him and, you know, father, and he said, what do you mean you have the money? He said, he said, you mean, and he, he thought he, it was for a devotional book. You, you mean the devotional book that we had out? Oh, you're just paying us back. He's like, no, 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 I have the money for the church. And he go, went on to explain that just that week, he invested some money that ended up doubling and tripling and he ended up getting all the stuff that he was going to pour into his retirement and he decided to give it to the church. And he said, I believe that God took me through this season and, and he's, he, he was the one that equipped me, but this was the test for me to be able to, to turn it around and give it back. We, over the next two years, we were able to build purchased this church and then we had to renovate it. We still needed millions of dollars, but we would then have each service come together and people would labor all five days a week from each service just to build out this facility. So we cut down on expenses, but over the next two years, we saw this building come to fruition to be a church that we were able to host so many people that ended up being about a church and a congregation of 2,000 people till today. And we went back and we were talking uh, with this gentleman. And he said, that was one of the biggest tests God gave me in my life. And he said, you will never believe that me, a migrant worker, a person that just came, that just invested a little bit of some of money for my family and God blew it up. Then God spoke to me and I gave it to the church. He said, to the day, Lord has tripled, tripled what I gave. 
And it was just a testament of the faithful, of the day by day, taking step by step of what God can take with a mustard seed and grow it into this huge tree. You don't know what God is trying to do in your life. As these men in scripture start heading towards the priest, they don't know what's to happen, but yet they take the step of faith. They take the step of faith. Faith, faithful through the hard times. Being faithful through the hard times can be some of the biggest steps of faith and the hardest things to do. But in verse 15, it goes through and it says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet, thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. It's interesting that he, he, it points out, and Luke here points out that he was a Samaritan because the nine other were Jewish men, the ones that should have came back and should have showed gratefulness and should have showed thanks. But yet Jesus points out here that the Samaritan, the one that was the outcast, the one that did not believe, the one that should not have came back, comes back and shows gratitude shows gratitude and says, thank you to Christ. I think sometimes in our lives, our lives, it's both spiritual and relational. And that sometimes we have to be observant that we have been given a gift. We've been given so much, but yet we're so concentrated on the gift that we many times forget the giver. And we're so concentrated on what I have and we're so concentrated on what's happening next. We're so concentrating on the healer that we forget about the healer. And I think this is a point that Jesus is kind of trying to prompt us to that, man, don't worry. I have more gifts to give you. I have more healings to show you. I have more things to bring to you. But what I am asking for you is to take the step of faith and keep coming back to me. Keep putting me first. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. As, and, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? I think it's so beautiful though that Jesus Jesus points out that the Samaritan, the one that was outcasted, was the one, was the one that got gets saved in this next verse. In verse 19, he says, Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you well. Literally in the translation, it says, Your faith has saved you. The point here, it's not just about the gift. It's about the giver. It's not just about the healing. 
It's about the healer. As we walk in to this season of Thanksgiving, we walk in to this time where we start to remember the year. We start to look back at this year. Matthew 22, 30, 37 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment that I think the Lord is speaking to you and me today and prompting us to say, man, we have a lot of things to be grateful for. But the first thing that we must be grateful, the first thing that we must put first back in our life is God. And that we must love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. And I believe as we literally mentally in this moment of prayer, we just put God back, back into the forefront of our minds to put him first in our life. And if you're, uh, if you're someone in here today and that you're watching, you're tuning in, uh, it doesn't matter where you have gone. It doesn't matter how far you have run. It doesn't matter whether this is the first time that you're just stumbling on to this YouTube video or this is the first time that you walked in the church or you've been in a congregation for years and you just feel that the Lord's been prompting at you and that, man, you might have lost that first love. You might have not have been putting God first in your life. I just, I just believe this is the season. And this message of being thankful and this message of being grateful is a reminder of us and really where our priorities should be that we must put God first in our life. That do we love Christ above all. So I just want to pray real quick. As I pray, if you haven't given your life to Christ, if you're watching this right now, I want to give you an opportunity. Jesus reached out. He went through Samaria. He goes to and speaks to the lepers of people that, the people that no one wanted to deal with, the people that, that were the outcasts, that literally was the, the generation of being quarantined of their entire lives. He goes to them and speaks to them and reaches out to them. I just believe if he's reaching out to them, he can reach out to you. And he will save you. He will deliver you. And God says that he has a purpose and a plan for your life. So Lord, we come to you today. We praise you. We give you thanks. Lord, for everyone that is sitting there right now, whether it's they're in their living room, at the kitchen table, they're on their iPhone. If you haven't given your life to Christ, just repeat this, repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Today, I accept your grace. I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. I turn away from my sin and I put you first in my life. In Jesus' name.
Amen. 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 Thank you so much for having me today. I appreciate Pastor Greg. And um, today, if you made a decision to follow Christ, if you are a first time guest here, there's going to be a little link. I want to encourage you, uh, please email a link. Get connected. Don't let yourself be disconnected. Man, make sure you're going to be unified within the body of Christ. Um, And as we're going to come, we're going to bring the worship team back to the screen.